Section 3 of The Life of St. Dominic Savio by St. John Bosco. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 3. Dominic is allowed to make his first communion before the usual age. Preparation for the important day. His resolutions. It was remarked in the foregoing chapter that Dominic showed exceptional piety when he approached the holy table, but there were important circumstances connected with his first communion that call for consideration. As far as dispositions are concerned, Dominic appeared to have the most excellent ones. He knew the necessary catechism thoroughly. He had a clear knowledge, considering his years, of this the greatest of the sacraments, and, moreover, his desire to receive it was eager and constant. The only obstacle, therefore, was his age, for at that time children were usually not allowed to make their first communion before they were eleven or twelve. Savio was only a boy of seven, and he hardly looked his few years, so that the parish priest hesitated. He consulted the neighboring priests, and, having carefully considered the boy's knowledge and dispositions, all doubt and hesitation were finally swept aside, and Dominic was allowed to partake, for the first time, of the food of angels. The boy could not repress his delight when he was told this good news, and a supernatural joy seemed to take possession of his soul. He ran to his mother to tell her. He was eager to spend more time in prayer or in reading the instruction for Holy Communion. He spent more time than ever at church, before and after Mass. He seemed to be already communing with the angels in adoration. On the eve of the great event in his life, he said to his mother, As I am going to make my first communion tomorrow, forgive me the pain I have caused you in the past. From now on I shall be much better. I shall be more attentive at school, and more obedient in whatever you tell me to do. His sorrow for what he imagined to be his past faults so moved him as to fill his eyes with tears, and the mother, deeply touched, as was natural, at these pious dispositions in her boy, and, remembering that in the past he had been a continual source of consolation to her, comforted him by saying, Put your fears away, my child. Whatever you may have done is all forgiven. Pray that God may keep you good, and pray for your father and mother. When that memorable day dawned, he rose early, and long before the time set off for the church, which he found still shut. He knelt down on the step, as was his wont, and said his prayers till the doors were opened to admit the children, who by this time had gathered together. There were still some confessions to be heard, so that, allowing for preparation and thanksgiving, and the mass and discourse, the function of the first communion was a matter of hours. Dominic had been the first to arrive to offer his salutation to God, he was the last to retire after his thanksgiving. The whole period had been for him one of abstraction from things of earth and of contact with the things of heaven. Later on, when any reference was made to his first communion day, his face would light up with joy as he exclaimed, That was indeed a day of happier memorances for me. It was a sort of recommencement of a life which might serve as a model to all. In his little book of devotions, he wrote down some resolutions, which I have been able to transcribe with all their original and direct simplicity, and their introduction in diary form. Resolutions made by me, Dominic Savio, in the year 1849, on the day of my first communion at the age of seven. 1. I will go to confession often, and as frequently to Holy Communion as my confessor allows. 2. I wish to sanctify the Sundays and festivals in a special manner. 3. My friends shall be Jesus and Mary. 4. Death rather than sin. These resolutions are not simply written out and then put carefully away. He read them very often, and they were a guide to him throughout his life. If among the readers of this little work there should chance to be some who are yet to make their first communion, I would strongly urge them to follow young Savio as their model. 
but in particular fathers and mothers, and those who exercise any authority over the youth, should attach the greatest importance to this religious act, for a first communion that is well made constitutes a solid moral foundation for the whole future life, and it would be indeed surprising if this solemn act, when worthily performed, did not result in a virtuous life. On the other hand, great numbers of young people are met with, who are the despair of their parents and of those who interest themselves in them. The root of this evil is generally found to lie in the fact that their preparation for First Communion was carelessly conducted or in great part neglected. It would be better to delay it, or even not to make it at all, than that it should be made badly. End of chapter 3 Chapter 4 Dominic's School Career at Castellanuovo de Asti Trials and Difficulties His Treatment of Evil Counsel His Master's Encomium As his early studies were now completed, Dominic should have been sent away to a higher school for more advanced classes, which a small country place could not provide. He was very desirous that this should be arranged, and his parents were greatly in favor of it, but their condition did not allow of the realization of such ambitious plans. Divine Providence, however, intended to provide the means so that the boy might attain the end appointed for him. Dominic had often said in his playful manner, If I were a bird, I should like to fly every morning to Castelnuovo de Asti, so as to go on with my studies. His eager desire to continue his studies made overcome all difficulties, and it was arranged that he should attend the municipal schools, although they were two miles away from his home. He had to walk there and back. He was not yet ten years of age, and all the variations of weather, both for summer and winter, had to be put up with. But all difficulties were to be overcome. Dominic was satisfied that he was thus performing an act of obedience to his parents, which meant advancing in the science of the saints, and this appeared to him more than enough reason for putting up with any inconvenience. One day, an elderly person saw Dominic going along the road, about two o'clock in the afternoon, under a broiling sun, and, meaning to give him a little encouragement, said to him, Are you not afraid to go so far alone? I am not alone, said Dominic. I have my angel guardian with me, accompanying every step. But surely you find the journey long and tiresome in this very hot weather. Nothing seems tiresome or painful when you are working for a master who pays well. And who is your master? It is God, our Creator, who rewards even a cup of cold water given for love of him. This little incident was related by the person who had the conversation with Dominic, and he concludes by saying, A boy who has such thoughts in his head, when he is only ten years old, is certainly destined for some great career. At school, Dominic soon found how to distinguish between desirable companions and those whose influence was bad. If he noticed one who was diligent and respectful, who knew his lessons well and always worked hard, Dominic sought his companionship. An unruly, insolent boy, or one who neglected his work, he left severely alone. He was always kindly in his manner towards them, and seized any opportunity of doing them a little service, but he took care not to become intimate with them. His conduct at the higher school of Castelnuovo de Asti might serve as a model to any young student who desires to advance in knowledge and virtue. For this reason, the account given by his master is useful and noteworthy. He says, I very willingly send you an account of Dominic Savio, because in a very short time he gained a high place in my estimation and affection, and because I still have a vivid recollection of his excellent behavior, his zeal in good works, and his many virtues. I cannot say much about the performance of his religious duties, for he attended the parish church of his own district, which was two or three miles from the school. For that reason, he did not belong to our confraternity though he was just the sort of boy we should have been glad to admit. 
He came to this school as soon as his elementary course was over, beginning on the Feast of St. Aloysius, June 21st, 1852. That was, in itself, a little extraordinary, for the great patron of young students found no more devoted follower than Dominic. He was gentle in appearance and manner, and had an air about him of mingled gravity and affability. His disposition was always marked by calmness and good nature. Both in school and out of it, his conduct was such as to produce a most agreeable impression, and for me to deal with him in the course of his schoolwork was like a reward for the many fatigues so often to be endured in the training of boys, who are often dull and not eager for lessons. Hence it may very well be said that he was savio, wise, not only in name but in fact, in his studies, in piety, in conversation and his dealing with others, and in all his actions. From the day he entered the school to the end of that scholastic year, and during the four months of the next year that he spent with us, his progress in his studies was little short of phenomenal. He speedily gained the first place in his class, and the other honors of the school, and invariably got full marks for the subjects which were examined from time to time. These eminently successful results must be attributed to his exceptional abilities and to his love of study and virtue. Deserving also of special praise was his exactness in every duty, no matter how trivial, and his constant attendance at the classes, in spite of all difficulties and of his long walk to the school. He was by no means a robust or vigorous boy, and this going to and from school, a distance of nearly three miles each way, would in itself be ample proof of his assiduity in his studies. But during that year, 1852 to 1853, he showed signs of weakness and general failing health, so that his parents decided on a change of abode. I was disappointed at losing so promising a pupil, to whom I had become attached, but I had expected to lose him, for I had seen that his delicate constitution was beginning to give way under this strain, and when I heard later on that he was going to the oratory at Turin, I was quite satisfied, as I knew he would there have the opportunity for the cultivation of his rare intellect and piety. Such is the account given by the master of his class. End of chapter 4